0: Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML news edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the ColdFusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back. It's been a long time. So long, I didn't even change the date. Dang it. Terrible. <laughs> So, it's actually 2024. So, for those of you who have paid attention, uh, we've skipped the year, but we're back. And uh, it's been a while, but we're back here. And uh, thanks, Eric, for joining me.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's been a while since we've done this together, too.
0: Yep, for sure. We've had a lot of uh, other hosts on, but uh, we're back and got some of our tried and true supporters, David and Peter, already in the chat. Thanks for joining us, guys. So, let's get on with the show. First of all, let's just thank our sponsors, Auto solutions. Without them, we wouldn't be here at all. So thanks again to the makers of code box, command box, forge box, test box, and all your other boxes out there. A few ways you can say, thanks back to Otis is uh buy tickets to our workshop at into the box, um, in CF summit East, or if you can't make that in DC in in April, we actually have, um, into the box, in Washington, D.C. in May, So we've got lots of ways you guys can come and uh, support us there. But they can also like and subscribe to YouTube, right, Eric?
1: That's right. You can also start and fork our repos on GitHub. There's a nifty command box GitHub uh, uh, module that you can use to do that. Subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you leave us a review and let us know, we'll read it here on the show. We should say a positive review. Keep the (laughs) language nice. Um, <laughs> yep. You can sign up for a free or paid account on CF Cast, which is releasing new content regularly. Visit the Box Life store for some awesome swag that you can rep at these upcoming events in DC and over across the pond at CF Camp. Or you can buy one of Wardus' books, 102 Cold Box Quick Tips and Tricks on Gumroad or Amazon, and learn modern Cold Fusion in 100 minutes, 100 plus minutes.
0: Yep. Lots Hedging of our cool ways there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep, trying to give you guys lots of different ways to to support us. And obviously, pull requests, issues, fart, everything helps. And uh, these things definitely go a long way to supporting Audis and helping us do all the cool things we like to do to help the community. Okay, well, next up, we want to thank our Patreon supporters. And this word of the week this time is staunch, our staunch, loyal Patreon supporters. Right now, we have 38 Patreons. And you can go find out more at... Uh, Patreon.com slash order solutions. So, we got a lot of cool different ways you can support us, and we appreciate everything. It all helps. Okay, so next up, let's jump into our news and announcements, and we've got a few. So, we want to start off with uh, the Coldbox workshop at Adobe of Summit East, as we mentioned just there. So, uh, it's basically a deep dive into Coldbox 7.2, and you'll have Luis Mahano personally training it. It's gonna be the 25th and the 26th of 2024, right after Adobe CF Summit East. So if you guys are using ColdBox, there's a lot of great stuff in in Coldbox Seven, and you want to get up to speed on that, that's a great way to do it. Um, and CF Summit East is a, you know, a great one-day free workshop for everyone in DC. So um, they have a lot of good speakers there and everything. So stay two more days, you know, enjoy DC, and um, yeah, join the workshop. So I think we got some early bird pricing still available, right, Eric?
1: We do. Also, I'm looking, do we have a link for CF Summit East 2024? I am not finding it on Adobe's website anywhere.
0: Yeah, well, last time I looked, I found it. It was from 2023. So I was like, wait a minute. Did I get the wrong date? So I'm not sure if it's being officially announced or not, but uh, we've already got that in there. So there must be something under the covers. So, yeah. <laughs> but I don't have the you records. Heard it here first. On, <laughs> yeah. It was hard to find on their site too. So uh, sometimes it'll be like that. They'll announce stuff out before us. They'll invite us to speak at things. And then later on marketing will actually publish it. So, but yeah, so, uh,
1: so the, the comeback, sorry, uh, there is early bird pricing available until March 1st. You can grab a ticket for $499. After that, until uh, April, it's going to be 699 So limited seats, Available, so make sure to jump on that if you're going to be in the area and uh get taught by the uh, creator himself. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry,
0: no, but I it, regret it, it already. It doesn't make a big difference. I mean, people do like to, you know, have Luis training them sometimes, it's just me and they're like, Where's Luis? I'm like, Sorry, guys, uh <laughs> he'll be here soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, he knows everything that's going into the, the new seven, and there's a lot of cool stuff in seven as well, some big changes. Um, we're really pushing language features forward, you know. Like delegates is a big one that you will hear in other languages, and now we can do that inside of ColdBox and, and other great stuff. So, yeah, definitely check that out. And
1: and yeah, you you want this two days to go on this? Uh, every time we add features to ColdBox, I'm just thinking this workshop has to get longer. We we like we can fit the basics into a day for sure, but there's so many cool things that we want to show off. So.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, for sure. We, we definitely can jam it into one day, but you get so much more out of it when you're able to, you know, take your time and, and you really work along the code. And that's why there's a small number on the cap, because if we have too many people, we can't give you the, you know, attention you need to, to keep up with the fast bits and, you know, dive into the, the problems or those weird edge cases that you might have in your code. So the two day workshop is definitely a big plus. So, um, more to come. We actually have into the box updates as well. So, it's been a little while since the the conference. I'm going to share my screen if you want to tell us about some of the the cool stuff we announced, Eric.
1: Yeah, so um, I hope this matches up with what you're looking at, uh, since <laughs> I can't see your screen. But we got some uh, workshops announced. Just a few. There's going to be uh, one, maybe two more. Um, but you can see right now we have reactive front ends with CFML, CBY, and Alpine JS. Bare metal to the cloud, migrating legacy applications at Amazon Web Services, and box Seven Unleashed.
0: Yep, so, so these are one day workshops. So again, if uh, if you're wanting a deeper dive, the DC one is a two day workshop, and Luis will cover all the same material just a little bit quicker time to get it in one day here in this box Seven Unleashed. But uh, I'm really excited to see John and Daniel's one. I know they've been doing a lot of work with clients migrating tons and tons of people and and you know to the Cloud legacy, and John does some interesting stuff with all that Elasticsearch and the container stuff and Fogate. And so, if you guys are looking for a way to get to the cloud, that's a a great workshop. He's built on top of the previous one, which is usually our most well attended. The Docker stuff. This is you know going one step further and really diving into the AWS stuff. So, if you're looking at AWS, this is even better for you.
1: Yeah, and if there's a workshop not there that you would like, reach out to us. Let us know. Again, we're we have room for one uh maybe two more so let's know which one you would like to attend
0: yep for sure and then obviously we have some speakers announced so you might see some faces here that you recognize and maybe a couple that you don't um <clears throat> excuse me so annette Liskey, uh she presented at cf summit last year and it was really good to see her rulebox presentation so she's going to be there we got some other new faces too so felicia's going to be speaking uh, we got some of the 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 ones we haven't seen for a while. Kurt Grass was back with us last year and did, uh, you know, Charlie Earhart and obviously got a lot of the oldest crew as well. Um, Brad is not on there, but don't worry, he will be speaking. Uh, We can't get (laughs) Brad not to speak, but uh, he will be there too, but some other new faces too. So Vinay and Irvin, and then jacob beers as well he's a a new employee at autis um, and so he'll be speaking but a lot of great speakers here and we are announcing a few more we're just trying to finalize and make sure everyone can actually uh, attend you know so we'll be getting more and more out there but uh, check that out now that you've seen those hopefully there's more reason to to come that you've seen who's actually going to be there who's speaking
1: If you toggle to the days, we also can see the sessions that some of these people are speaking at. So, um, again, this isn't the exhaustive list. There's additional sessions to be announced, but you can see a few what's coming up.
0: Sorry, I did see that. Uh, I missed the day at the top here. So, yeah. So, you can see they're starting to flush them out as well. I know that we have additional sessions coming soon as it says there, and we have a couple of uh, last minute announcements. We're trying to get a couple of sponsor ones from some special people. So we're, we're definitely gonna be adding some, some good content in there. And, uh, you see, we have like little networking time. We're trying to give a little more space between the sessions now too, to make it uh, better for everybody. So hopefully you guys can make it. And again, new location. We're not in Texas this time, gonna be in DC. So we'll tell you a little bit more during the conference section, but, uh, that was a, a big one there another conference though cf camp is back this year so they've released the call for speakers so you guys have got a little bit of time the call for speakers closes march 17th um so they've they're really excited with how many people came back out after the pandemic last year 2023 it was the first one since the the pandemic and they got a lot of people there and it was a it was a good a good turnout and so they're wanting to step it up and so we're going to be doing a lot of a lot of topics in their call for speakers for recommendations. So uh, let me jump here to my screen again. Just scroll down and, you know, they talked a little bit about last year and everything, but these are encouraged topics for submission. So obviously lots of poor CFML stuff. So talking about frameworks and legacy migration and modularity, et cetera, and, you know, some Docker migrating to clouds, etc. a lot of things you think, but they also encourage a lot of things about databases and front ends and infrastructure you know sort of all the things adjacent to it as well as business and marketing so you know if you, you maybe you know code adjacent with some of your talks um, maybe you can find a hole in here because they are looking for a lot of things not just you know the traditional code presentations that we always see so Cf camp does have a variety and you've been to Cf camp before right Eric
1: yeah I've been I've been twice I was able to go last year a uh, great conference uh, this one's in the same location as it was before so just outside the Munich airport and uh, yeah, it's, it's a great one. I know there's lots of people at Ortis that want to try to get out there this year. So we'll, we will see how we can how many we can fit. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. A lot of things going on. And then next now, up. We had, sorry. we had
1: a quick question in the chat from David Bellinger about pre-registrants getting into these workshops. So for any of you that have bought a blind ticket, um, reach out to us. There's a way to switch that ticket over to one that includes, um, a workshop and we can, we can get you all sorted out on that. Or if you head over and we'll put the link in the show notes to Eventbrite, you're able to get a workshop ticket. You're not choosing the workshop yet because we haven't announced them all. Um, but that guarantees that you're going to have a seat and we'll give you a choice.
0: Yeah. And I think the blind tickets might've been the all access pass, which includes a workshop. So if you let us know, David, we'll make sure you're on the list. Um, but yeah, as soon as we get those all listed in Eventbrite, we can update yours to that. But don't worry, we'll get you into the, the one you want to get to because Dave was one of those blind blind purchases. And so it's good to see some people were like, I'm going no matter what. I don't care who's speaking, whatever you have, I'm going to be there. And so it's great to have you support us. So thanks, David. Okay. So next up, uh, we've had a quiet few months from Ben Adele, and this is why. He we released, got a
1: feature flag book.
0: Yeah. So you guys listen to the, the working code podcast. He's been talking about it for a while and he has a uh, written and released his feature flags book. Um, so, you know, he has sort of like half the book is about feature flags and sort of half the book is more of his like ex- experience and his opinions and you know, how they deliver the value. Um, and so it's a, it's a really good book. I know a couple of people in orders have already purchased it and they you know, and you see a couple of, uh, you know, sayings here as well. So people are, think it's really good. And feature flags are great. And uh, you know, once you get your head around what they are, they're not just if statements, like everybody thinks, you know, there's a lot more power to them. Um, and Ben explains that in here too. And, you know, as he says, it's transforming your product development workflow. Um, so yeah, definitely. Yeah,
1: he, he hypes it up, but the hype is real. I remember, you know, hearing and reading Ben's blog posts and being like, yeah, yeah, feature flags, sure and when we finally adopted them it's just it's so freeing to be able to put those in um and be able to switch who's using your product if there's a problem to be able to go back to the way it was without having to do a a massive uh code push again so there's some great things there and this book is going to be um awesome for anybody wanting to jump into feature flags
0: yeah and it's uh it's yeah very cool um I like the fact that you can sort of stage your rollouts too, because a lot of the products, depending on which feature flag product you're using, darkly, but there's also like the Unleashed uh, SDK. Uh, There's other ones out there too, but they allow you to sort of say, okay, I want just the people from my company that have an email address ends on this to be able to see it, or I want 10% of this criteria to be able to see it. And you can increase that number so you can basically roll it out. So hopefully uh, you guys will we'll see, you know, the benefit of using them and find a, a good place for them too. And again, you don't have to use LaunchDarkly, which I've heard is a little bit more expensive, but you know, they do have a few extra features in some of the other tools. So, you know, find the one that works for you and, uh, yeah, definitely get the book a read and support an overseer but don't worry since he's finished his book now, we've got lots of blog posts to make up for the quiet time from Ben. So you'll see <laughs> in the Ben corner of the blogs today. <laughs> so that sort of wraps up our news and announcements next up though we have uh lots of new releases and updates it's been a little while so you want to give us a sneak peek because uh the next one is actually going to be our Forgebox module of the week too so
1: yeah i can take you through these two new updates we first have the cold box debugger this is version 4.2 and we the big headline feature of this is uh for me (laughs) hyper Request tracking. Hyper is a HTTP library that um, wraps CFHTTP, but can also wrap other providers, underlying Java providers, Bolt HTTP by Pete tag, any of those. Um, and this now will show all of your Hyper requests and responses inside one of these collector panels. Uh, you can also use Lucy SQL listeners in Lucy 6 to be able to get every query that's going through there. You could already do that with QB, but it, this now is at the engine level. Um, and ways to generate heat dumps, to look at your memory output, help to find any memory leaks that you may have. So um, awesome stuff. CB Debugger, I feel like is needs a new name because it's it's so much more, it's becoming kind of a mini You know application performance monitoring solution so
0: it really is i mean um you know just the they've improved all the formatting for the json the SQL. they've got a you know a revamped request doc yeah i mean the fact you can jump in and look at your slow queries now i mean it really does a lot of the the things that you use on a regular basis from some of those monitoring tools i mean and yeah we just keep adding more and more and in the module of the week we'll go through a list of some of the features just in the 4.0 release and there was more in the 3 point, you know series so lots of cool stuff in there and uh it's it is really neat i mean it's great for those api responses to be able to actually see them even though you're not tracking it and you can add your own timers now and as scott says it's cool how easy it is to add your own metrics to it so you know you can add your own timers and, and metrics and it's it's pretty cool so highly recommend that
1: we also had a release of CB Wire version 3.2. Grant's been just crushing it on this. And uh, I don't know if this is the first, but I wanted to call out he has a couple features in this release contributed by the community. And I just, that's always a magical thing when the community comes together and brings in um, great new features. So uh, thanks in this case to Michael R- Rigsby, who contributed a few of these features. So CBYR now can dispatch browser events, uh, custom browser events that you can listen to in JavaScript, some um, nice improvements to auto-populating data properties and more module-aware components, as well as some enhanced template functionality. So great release, CBYR 3.2 keeps uh, trucking along.
0: Yep, Michael at the last... CF Summit we had a workshop and met Michael there it was great to spend some time with him and yeah he's got some some cool ideas and does some interesting things so good to see him contributing to the to that project CBY is very cool Grounds some great stuff there okay Web meet, webinars meetups and workshops uh, we have uh, one coming up this week so on the 25th we have one from Charlie and the online CF meetup the many capabilities of the cf package management and cfpm so that's um in case you didn't know adobe cf 2021 added a new tool called cfpm which is the cold fusion package manager so it helps you install the modules needed for adobe cold fusion cf 2021 and 2023 and if you guys um want to learn more about it you can there but he's also being very busy because he's released what four or five other talks um the last month and i'm not sure if we had all the links so we got them all in here so on january 18th he did updating the java underlying cold fusion considering or doing it because i know there's some java updates that came out recently so he's talking about that and then we also have installing cf 2023 choices challenges and solutions and then there's another one migrating apps to cold fusion 2023 from earlier versions so i'm sure that was a really popular one because everyone's migrating um up and. and so a lot of great content that Charlie's been releasing. I know for a long time, he's been wanting to get more people speaking. So he's like, okay, I'll do it. So he's <laughs> been rolling out quite a few sessions. So uh, if you want some more content, Charlie's got some there. And again, t- uh, Thursday this week is the new one on the Coal Fusion Package Manager.
1: All right. Shall we talk about some conferences and trainings coming up?
0: Yeah, we touched on a few of them, but yeah, let's get into it.
1: Okay, well, Into the Box, uh, located at Optica in Washington, D.C. I believe that's the same location as our training uh, for CF of Summit East as well. Um, So May 7th, 15th through the 17th, you can still get your blind tickets as I guess they're like semi-blind now because you know a little bit of what's coming.
0: Yeah, I think they're through uh, the end of the year, so I think they might be gone now.
1: Ooh, I I missed that. So yeah, well, we'll have to see. You yeah. can go check right now on Eventbrite if it, you can still get uh, cheap tickets. Now's the time to to go before we go update it.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, the call for speakers closed. And again, we might be adding a few more sessions. Well, we will be adding a few more sessions. So we're just trying to clarify. I um, said we're, we've been trying to get a couple newer speakers. It was really hard to pick. There were so many good sessions. You know, there's, it's really, really getting hard to, to pick between them. So um, yeah,
1: I, it's especially hard because. We also don't want the conference to be so packed. You don't get time to, you know, talk to each other, socialize the hallway track. So it's always this. It's so sad when we go in and we're like, Hey, we have this many sessions a day and it's always less than we want.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And um, I mean, if we could do a week, I'm sure we'd have enough content to fill it up too. but uh, yeah. yeah. So again, we did mention the first batches of sessions and workshops have been announced. So uh, go check those out um, into the box.org and we will see you all there. We're excited. I think it'll be a good one. So, we're hoping that being in DC, we can get more European uh, travelers to come visit too. We had a few last year from Europe, but getting to Texas down to Houston could be a little tougher. So, hopefully, we can uh, get more people there.
1: That's right. And uh, mentioning again, CF Camp twenty twenty four. It is June thirteenth and fourteenth in Freising, in Germany. Call for speakers in the chat um go put your name in i I love when new people come and speak and they they always have great ideas so
0: yep and you know they'll guide you too you know the conference organizers will like to say hey this is a great talk if you could add this to it i think it'll really appeal to everybody and and make it better and you know if you're willing to do those things sometimes that's all it needs just to you know to get in there so but yeah they've got lots of ideas on that page too so find something there that you think you can teach somebody something and trust me there's always something that you can teach somebody everyone can learn something from everybody so find something and yeah give it a whirl it's it's not as scary as you think you know trust me after getting thrown into it you know i'm still talking at conferences so it can't be that bad
1: <laughs>
0: I and mean, even esme does and uh she hates speaking in front of people so Ismate can do it, I'm sure you can too. Okay. All right. Here's blogs. the big one. Yeah, blogs, tweets, and videos. <laughs> so we got everybody else, then we'll do the bin corner. We'll try to see if we can get through bins <laughs> and, and keep it under three hours.
1: Yeah. But yeah, folks. We we, we took a, a nice holiday break. It was it was great. And now we're paying for it with <laughs> I don't know, a, like at least a dozen blog posts. So we we will touch on these. We might not go deep diving in all of these. So We'll yeah. make sure the links are in the show notes so you can go read them after.
0: Yeah, but we already t- talked about callbox seven point two being released. Uh so that was one of those there. Um oh sorry. Well, I think it was released too, but yeah, you know, actually the workshop. So sorry, the callbox seven point two workshop um in DC. And so that one there with the earlier pricing. And we already talked about Grant's uh C B wire. So his C B wire post has a lot of the, the cool features that's included in three point two. And we talked a little bit about Coldbox Debugger 4.2 as well. So, and we'll of... talk
1: about it more at the end.
0: <laughs> yep. So, now we've so skipped whoa. over those we've already sort of touched on. Uh, next up, we have Charlie with a couple of blog posts.
1: That's right. So, first, we have new updates released for Java 8, 11, 17, and 21. It's kind of weird to me to have Java have so many version numbers that we're talking about. It's, you know, it was on 8 forever, it felt like, and you now yeah anyways um so it's that time again new jvm updates were released this was on january 16th and so charlie's blog post goes into um thoughts on those updates and how to get them applied
0: yep and then the next one he has is uh just several things to consider when applying jvm updates um you know so these here usually Java updates, There's a couple of gotchas or catches, and if you apply it and it doesn't quite work, your server goes down. So you always want to follow through the instructions, and and uh, Charlie does do a good, you know, a good breakdown of what you should consider when doing it, what to look for. Do you need to, you know, reapply your um, configurations again? Because that's usually the biggest thing, right? People lose their web server um, config, and then all of a sudden they can't connect to their server. So um, I'm looking through it here. You know, he brings down, um, you know, all these beware of these changes. So there's a lot of stuff happening lately, a lot of security changes. And so, with that, a lot of things apply. Um, so, again, highly recommend reading through this here. Um, and remember, Oracle releases things a little bit faster than Adobe. So, you need to make sure that um, if you are applying them, that you follow their instructions too. And so, usually, if I always say go to charlie he's the one that spends this whole day fixing everybody else's server uh, install problems and and update issues and, and everything else so he does it for a living so it's definitely what you should be reading when you're going to do it yourself and if all else fails call charlie he's very busy but uh he's very good at what he does and he educates as well he just just fix it and leave you hanging he'll he'll fix it and then show you what he did why he did it and how you can do it yourself in the future so it's a really big plus with charlie you know he wants to make sure that he's teaching you not just helping you so very good (sighs) ah so been at our corner so
1: i i counted we have 11 <laughs> 11 blog posts just from ben so
0: and that doesn't include the working code podcast blog post that he puts out too so it's from like 15 lately but it has been a, <laughs> about a month so i guess parents. yeah
1: well let's group these first two together i think Uh, They're titled, Considering the Ergonomics of Tags and Objects in ColdFusion and Proof of Concept, CFHTTP with a Retry Policy in ColdFusion. So the first blog post came out of Ben needing to build a retry mechanism for communicating with an API, and uh, he talks about the CFHTTP tag versus um, the HTTP component uh, which I, I'll i be honest, I kind of forgot about that component. <laughs> mm. um, I, I haven't used it. It, it kind of has the same reputation as the query component. You'll hear people just, t- I mean, blanket tell you, don't use it. And I'm sure there's reasons for that. I don't remember ever getting reasons. I just got, don't use it. Um, so I've always used the tag or at least the tag and script version. Um, but yeah, Ben goes through that and then uses the um what he's talked about and makes a wrapper around cf http that can have some retry logic um not just you know retry it x times but has some back off built in uh so the idea is if the server fails maybe you wait you know 200 milliseconds then you wait 700 then a, a second then two seconds then four and then you finally give up so yeah that's some the delays built in yep
0: yeah that's pretty smart because a a lot of times yeah you make a few calls and then you get that you know basically you get a request back saying oh nope sorry uh too many requests and then yeah they basically slow you down anyway so this would be a really good feature because it does happen quite a bit and Mm -hmm. you know it's annoying to have to to build that in yourself you know have the Three levels deep of your catches or or whatnot. <laughs> that's right. For it, so anytime you can build it into a a topic. Now, does it does hyper have retries?
1: You know, it doesn't. That was that was the first thing I thought of when he he uh, brought these up. Ooh, um, so ben also talked. I think it was in the first one about do you build something that tries to be generic for everything, which is hyper, or specific to what you're doing, and it it depends on the situation. Yeah. Um. I will say Ben asked for. Or, I should say, wished for a listener, uh, kind of like the Lucy uh, query listener. Um, So, in Lucy, I believe it was added in six. Um, Maybe it came back to five in some release, but you can have a before and an after listener on every query. So, you can get the SQL in, you can introspect it, you can do timing between before and afters, things like that. He was asking, he was wishing there was something like that for uh, HTTP requests. And uh, Hyper does provide that in cold box applications where you can have uh, listeners. Well, I mean, in non-cold box applications too, um, where you can have request and response listeners and execute on them. Uh, in a cold box application, you also get interception points, so you can even be more decoupled. But uh, I, I've used that before with dealing with APIs and I wanted to kind of transform the response into something or provide better error messages. I'll put a response listener on. Um, I don't, I don't I think remember what with they're that one called. Time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And definitely helpful so, when you get weird stuff back from them because sometimes you get JSON, sometimes you get a block of text saying what you did wrong or you know, it's nice to be able to handle it in one place to them to do it on every single request you make. So, right.
1: Yeah. And again, with Hyper, you could always build up a client that is
0: specific to what you're
1: dealing with. So um, I'm trying to find that actually what it's called. Response callbacks and request callbacks. That's what they're called. And you can have multiple. So, yep. um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I thought of hyper as I read through these, but I'm kind of biased in that regard.
0: So, yep. <laughs> so the next one he talked about following up on error handling during async iteration and cold fusion. Um, and so that one, it can be really painful dealing with async stuff. I mean, I don't do a lot of it. And I know that yeah that we built a lot of the cold box try to make our life easier now, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so many things when you're wrapping it in async, just things that just yeah different.
1: so so this was interesting. It was specifically looking at the parallel iterators that have been built into Lucy and Adobe Cold Fusion, uh, like in each map filter uh, where you can imp- uh, split that across uh, a number of threads that you provide. And uh, very nice, right? Because that's usually where you're looking to do some parallel work <laughs> is you're like, I'm looping through all these things. Um, and the thing to look out for, which Ben uh, points out here, is Lucy and Adobe have different semantics in dealing with that, uh, where Lucy will, when they encounters an error, will stop um, looping through that result, right? So if you have Uh, you know, 100 items, and in the first 10, you encounter an error, Lucy's going to stop. Anything that's currently executed will finish because that's how threads work. You don't really kill them, um, but nothing else will go. Whereas for Adobe uh, in uh, ColdFusion 2023, it lets everything through, and the ones that fail, fail, and the ones that don't, don't. And um, so something to be aware of regardless, but it did make me think of how, I don't know, Um, I've helped give the workshop that Ortis does on async programming and the async services that we've built in the cold box. And they're quite complicated, built on top of Java's futures. And the reason is to give you control over situations like this. Um, Maybe you want to have a fire and forget and you don't care if it finishes. Maybe you do want the first error to throw everything and stop going through. And with Lucy and Adobe here using their built-in iterators, you can't choose that. Um, jumping down into completable futures and ColdBox's async manager, you can choose that behavior. So, um, yeah, I, I I guess the thing I got from reading this was I see why it is so complicated <laughs> and why there's all these different concepts to learn around it and wh- why that's useful. So.
0: Yep. Don't they say when, I guess it's just like regex, you add regex, now you got two problems. You know, same thing with async. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So so
1: yeah, so two things. One, know the difference between Lucy and Adobe here, and know which one that you're getting when you use parallel iterators. And two, if you want more control over it, um, Coltbox has a lot of nice ergonomic helpers around that for using Java's really powerful uh, future API. Cool,
0: cool. Well, the next one uh, we'll sort of skip over a little bit, but Ben was recommended by Alex Skinner to look into Cloudflare's turnstile instead of the recapture from Google. Because sometimes Google's recapture doesn't block as much as you think it should, Um, you know, and everyone seems to love Cloudflare these days. And so he jumped into using that. So that's actually a good idea because, yeah, Google, people don't like Google so much sometimes with their policies and. The recapture isn't as good at blocking stuff as it used to be. I swear, you know, AI is getting really good at identifying pitches, but I can't. You know, like <laughs> identify the, the the signs here or the, you know, the steer. I, I can't <laughs> figure it out, but I'm sure robots can. <laughs> way better than me, and that's why it's not working so good. <laughs> but but anyway, so if you wanted to jump to that, cloudflare has got a lot of great offerings, and so Turnstile is their recapture offering. So uh, Link is posted. Oh, and then yeah. This one's an interesting one. He talked about all his email jobs and, and the working code podcast. He was talking with um, Adam because Adam title does a lot of work with, um, you know, sending emails. He's got a lot of, uh, a lot of university clients that send out a lot of mail. And so Ben was trying to figure out the best way to send 7 million emails in five days using cold fusion.
1: So do you, I, I miss this in this thing. What was the use case for needing to send 7 million emails? <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, they've just got millions and millions and millions of clients, um, and I can't remember from the podcast, because I listened to it early in December, what it was exactly, but, you know, I know that they have a lot of notifications and and everything, so I'm not sure if it was just the, it was just yeah, a, it didn't seem case. to be
1: a notification thing, because he said he needed to send it to every user that they had that was the 7 million so anyways i thought it i, was I a, should go listen to the podcast but yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I mean i assume it's some um, like you know policy update or security you know something like that where yeah you just need to send it out to everybody and i can't remember exactly i, I don't want to guess and be massively wrong but yeah but yeah so and again there's services for that but when you're sending 7 million emails and that quick you know that adds up very quickly so that's why I, people do probably things it but, probably yeah. adds up but also like you read through what
1: ben went through to get this done and like i will pay mailchimp or whatever <laughs> newsletter thing i need to do you know that's that's why they exist and in the end he's still using postmark because you can't run your own email server if he had tried to do this just from you know the envision domain servers like they'd be marked as spam immediately because it is all reputation and if you're thinking of doing that, like I have a home server and you try to send an email, nobody's going to take it. They don't know who you are. And that's, it's just, so yeah, there's plenty of people to pay to do this because this is a hard problem.
0: So. Yep. And that working code podcast, Adam talks about what he does with step functions and, you know, inside of AWS and everything too. So they use yeah. that sort of approach. So yeah, check that one out, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting problem and, yeah like you said the deliverability is king and you want to make sure you're using those tools and some of those places even tell you like hey you can only send so many per second and that's probably why he's talking about time boxing later on right because uh <laughs> there's a, another one we're probably. talking about max because adam titles basically was saying when they were sending stuff they could only send so many so many thousand per you know certain window so they basically check to see if the town had sent and then the job would just wait until the time spam was open so they could see how many more they could send in the next block and keep processing because otherwise their their provider will stop them too so even those big providers don't want to have their reputation get on the drain by letting you send too much so they still monitor and maintain your list
1: right and I mean it makes sense if you can think of somebody you know signing up for Postmark and then trying to spam a whole bunch of people like Postmark doesn't want their name to be connected to Hey, we let people send spam through us. So, like, it's it's tough. I'm glad that's not my business. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, the next couple uh, blog posts kind of go along with uh, this email uh, sending. So, the first one was consuming a large configuration file inside a ColdFusion component. So, as part of sending all these emails, they wanted to filter out emails that were from temporary domains. Uh, or, or, sorry, that's not the right word, like disposable email address domains. Um, there's places where you can go and just be like, I want an email and I'm going to throw this away. I, d- I just need to get it for, you know, the code they're sending me or because this website's making me. <laughs> and so they don't want to send things there, right? That's just going to bounce. And I guess there was a list, a GitHub repository that has a like 3,000 plus disposable email address domains. And so this blog post goes through... Um, how Ben decided to bring that configuration file in and he puts it in a component that then he has methods that can interact with that and the data he passes in to determine if the email addresses are from a disposable domain or a disposable email address itself. So um, pretty neat. And then the next uh, one he talks about was per application uh, mappings to alias that file file. Um, inside your application cfc so they're all connected there
0: yep and then you also the time boxing one too so that one again touches back on the the email they can only send um you know you run a job every five minutes to try to basically pick up and continue where it left off and and so there's all sorts of logic that goes into seeing if it's still running or not and if it's not running you know, then you can proceed or vice versa because you never want to have two jobs running the same at the same time, etc. So, when you're processing 7 million emails, that's a lot of looping. So, yeah, well, this is another down.
1: one that made me think of you know, futures and completable futures. Um, I mean, one thing to think about is as long as your job is running, like he has this run until uh function that takes an operator, and as long as that operator <laughs> is running. You can't really short-circuit it, you know. Um, you can do a bit more with, in using an actual future API. Like, you can give timeouts. Um, there are ways to try to kill threads, but again, that's not guaranteed. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for things like this, I, I highly encourage looking into Coldbox's async engine. Um, there's lots of these tools already built in for when you need to run a task, but kill it if it's taking too long. Or even just not keep going, you know? Return to the user and tell them, eh, something's going wrong, or this is gonna take a while, so.
0: Yep, for sure. Okay, so next up, we got one about email content using pure templates in ColdFusion. Um, And so that's basically using a view, right? Like uh, pulling all your logic out using a view, sort of the more of an MVC approach for for email and keeping your, your email templates just as templates and so yeah that's that's pretty pretty common nbc patent there and cmail I, services allows you to do that really nicely we have you know token set up and everything it's it's pretty cool but if you want right. to dive into that um you can look at his his approach there
1: i think that's especially important when you try to get into um styling emails because oh, email yeah. styling is still a nightmare and you end up generate using tools to generate weird looking html and you just want to stick that in the folder and pass in the data you need instead of trying to make it each time
0: yeah and if you are using script for your like your logic and everything else you don't want to try to have that block of hml stuff inside your script tags you know put them in a cfm file and render it that way it's definitely easier okay this is one that you mentioned um was relevant for WebSocket, so generating secure URL signatures to prevent tampering and confusion, so.
1: Yeah, uh, webhook. Oh, is,
0: webhook, sorry. Is the
1: one, yeah. So uh, the idea here is, in addition to giving a URL, you put a signature on it. And how'd you give that signature? Well, the URL itself, plus the secret you have. And so, uh, yeah, if you've dealt with web hooks from from Stripe, from um amazon from twilio from all these different places that call your code they'll include a header that or sometimes a query param but usually a header with this signature value and it's up to you to go to uh to go through all the steps using your secret key um, that they've given you all the parameters and the path and all that and say i should get the same result and if i do then i can trust this if not then somebody's messed with this. So I it was cool to see um you know talking about generating your own URLs cuz again I've only really used it from um verifying others uh I think all of us uh, not all of us sorry um but a lot of us would probably use in like the S3 SDK or the AWS library you know there's a signature verifier built in you have to compute every time you want to talk to S3 <laughs> so yeah. um you didn't maybe you didn't even know you were using it but these signatures are very common
0: yep and it's kind of a pain in the butt to get it to work right too sometimes that's why i use the library <laughs> yes, it it is. Has i know <laughs> when they changed the signature version from three to four it messed up some some stuff pretty good yes but uh but yeah so but yeah i thought it was a cool idea i mean definitely yeah you
1: know, i i like seeing the idea of thinking oh yeah i you you might want this for your own website you know you might want to provide a link that you can verify nobody's changed anything. And this is, this is a great way to do it. It's the same way you're going to do it if you're verifying someone else's, but uh, yeah, I'd love the walkthrough.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just like JWTs for anyone who hasn't used them. You know, basically you have the, the token itself you know the contents of it and the key and basically if somebody changes something in it instantly it's not valid because the, the contents were changes so if you got a url and someone's messing with the id of the the user to try to get you know to see somebody else's data the url signature is going to say well that's not the same thing that we encrypt you know we, we hashed or whatever to to make sure it's safe so it's it's definitely a cool thing to use and i'm like that would be useful on a lot more things you know like just something like as simple as file links, you know? Sometimes you have to add all this extra security. If you had a link in there and the signature for a file you're on, then we could change it and try to look for other files. But, but yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, last yeah. but not least, we've got a, one saying, always identify your calling service within HTTP usage agent header.
1: I, like, I think that's supposed to be user agent because that's what he talks about inside oh. his user agent so yeah user agent
0: so i'll copy that one properly but uh Uh,
1: no i no it's it's wrong on his title too so (laughs) i think so um yeah so i he'll go ben goes through what his was uh moving from a service uh called pingdom and to new relic i have seen this one in some apis if you don't include the user agent just fail like, mm-hmm. they'll tell you either, they'll just not re- serve your request. Some APIs I've hit without a user agent on accident, like, it doesn't even get an API response back. You know, if I'm asking for JSON, I just get this weird HTML page. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you want to make sure when you're sending, uh, sending an HTTP request that you have a user agent built in. Um, I know Hyper has a default one. It sends that it's from a Hyper request, and you can... Uh, change that if you want, but that, that bit me enough times that I needed to build that one in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is interesting too. So, um, in this example here, there's an uptime bot, you know, user agent, and then he has an X dash uptime dash bot with more information. So they count ID and how to adjust the monitors with the URL. So that's like a secondary level. So based on the value of the user agent, you know, there's an additional header you can add. So that's, that's kind of interesting. I, I like that because sometimes you're like, where is this coming from? Which account is hitting me? Because <laughs> sometimes you get those types of pings. and You're like, I can't find which account this one's in. Um, and so sometimes that's kind of useful. So I yeah. didn't think about doing the second line of information. But yeah. So that's.
1: I, I feel like it's also a good note here that while you do want to have a user agent, user agent sniffing is not a great idea when you're doing like feature detection so
0: yeah people can define note there. Take that, take they, they can out
1: there like that they can put whatever user agent they want so
0: <laughs> yeah and a lot of times you'll see that in your spam you'll see some weird stuff and it's like mm, i'm pretty sure that's not accurate but yeah that's another thing to to filter on too when you're looking at error logs and stuff as well because sometimes you get those weird you know search engines just crawling your site and causing a bunch of errors and they're not real errors so um, safe. I
1: actually have to take it back. What I said earlier, Hyper does not have a default uh, user agent, so oh.
0: should,
1: should look into that one. Here.
0: Yeah, probably should be a little minor patch update there, a little yep. security, although I wonder if, if anyone's going to break anything with that. Yeah, I think it would be a good thing to add <laughs> for sure.
1: Probably. As long as it's the default right now, I mean, that's the problem with some of these libraries is um it's where it's the xkcd post right about spacebar overheating do you remember that one
0: no i don't remember I'll, that one
1: I'll, I'll pull it up and yeah it's great
0: <laughs> okay well you pull that up i'm gonna look at find a job so we okay. have uh, CFML jobs section here um and there's been about four jobs listed over the last few weeks at getcfmljobs.com so i'm gonna pull that up just so we can watch as we go You see there's been a few posted lately so 117 positions from 70 com- companies across 48 locations in five countries so we have about four since the start of the year so we've got a web developer cold fusion at remote we've got a senior technical lead cold fusion at remote and we have a senior cold fusion developer remotes these couple of these might be the same just different locations we also have a software engineering manager remote at Fort Worth. So um, again, if you're looking for jobs, it's a great place to come look for them. If you're wanting to post, you can actually post the jobs here completely free. This does scrape some other um, job sites as well. So you can you know, usually be pretty sure that anything with Fusion in it and sometimes even ColdFusion with a space gets pulled up in here. So um, <laughs> it scrapes for all those jobs, but let's have a quick look here. So we've got four jobs to see if they're all the same or different this one's working for m3 usa and so cold fusion sql with some reacts as well and this one here is for ris so w-r-i-s uh, they're actually a sponsor front of the box in the previous year so uh, a good company they got some see they're looking for of Cold fusion MS SQL, mysql MVC frameworks at like Coldbox, Framework One, CF Wheels, and some Docker's a plus. Docker's always a plus. So I like this though. <laughs> the the desire they want someone with a good sense of humor and comfortable working remotely. So very cool. Quantum world. So there's another one here. And then we have Batesville LLC. So yeah, so there's four separate jobs there. So if you guys are looking, lots of good options there. So Go to getcfmljobs.com and look for a job. And again, if you are looking, um, check out the Slack channels as well. We have some on the CFML Slack team and the Box Slack team. There are a channel there for jobs. So Eric has found the this KCD. So let me <laughs> open this up.
1: I I think about this one so often whenever I'm doing uh, module versions uh, because. The question is always is this a breaking change or is this just a bug fix or an improvement and i i think this comic uh, accurately captures it um <laughs> do we read it on air uh anybody yeah, watching sure. is gonna get it but uh yeah i
0: guess we should <laughs> so changes in version 10.17 the cpu no longer overheats when you hold down the space bar then the comments what do they say eric
1: the long time user 4 writes this update broke my workflow. My control key is hard to read, so I hold spacebar instead. And I configured Emacs to interpret a rapid temperature rises control. <laughs> 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 to which the admin writes, that's horrifying. <laughs> and the user responds, Look, my setup works for me. Just add an option to re enable spacebar heating. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah. So crazy, but with yeah. hyper, if I add a user agent, you know, is it gonna break someone's code? It, it, it's possible arguably a feature that should be added so that we don't have, you know, requests going out without user agents, but it's going to mess somebody up somewhere. So make, you should just make everything a major version, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Obviously we can add a a header, um, for user agent. Is there a a helper for, you know, set user agent just for, make it simple.
1: I, I I don't know if there is a one on its own or if it's just, uh,
0: I mean obviously the header. You, you can change no, it with just, the header, but
1: yeah, it's just with headers, but yeah. yeah, we definitely could.
0: Yeah, like those little things are just helpful. Um, yeah. more readable too for those those people trying to learn how to use it. Okay, well that wraps up the job section and the KCD fun. <laughs> so next up, <laughs> let's talk about the Forgebox module of the week. And as we mentioned before, it's CB debugger. So,
1: yeah, we're right. we're going to take you in a little more of a deep dive this time um, in this section. So what's new uh, with CB debugger 4.2? Uh, honestly, the biggest one is uh, new docs. It's moved over to a Git book. You have great docs going through all the different collectors. Um, that's kind of the, the panels, things that you can learn from a request. Uh, new in this one, we have the hyper collector that you can enable log response or request you can control all of those it will show you how long it took and the body of the either the request or the response coming back uh, the lucy sql collector note that if you do want that one you need to make sure your lucy server is in debug mode you can easily add that to CF config or go into the debugging panel in the lucy admin uh, heaped up support you can create a java heap dump again great for debugging memory leaks or just seeing how your system is um, handling the loads the request docs cleaned up a bit so now you can only now you can see just the request uh, the current request information all the rest is in the visualizer at the cb debugger entry point Um, so when you click on the doc, it will expand show you all the different stuff about the request that you're looking for We put some improvements into the SQL and the JSON formatting so that they're nice and uh, formatted in the panels. And you can copy them easily with this little clipboard icon. And finally, using the timer object, you can add your own timers in. That will show up in that request panel. You can either do that by asking for the timer, injecting it, or using delegates, which is super fun.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, lots of awesome stuff. Yeah, I've been showing some of the docs and, you know, the the outputs of what shows up on there. And yeah, it's definitely I really like the fact that when you're doing API calls, you can still get to it. Because you know, an API call is behind the scenes and you can't use the debug that spits out on the bottom of the page like you know, a lot of people used to work in, in the old days. Um and so, you know, the debug mode, you can just basically turn it on with a secret key and then yeah. the interceptors too. So this is, pretty I believe cool.
1: that's it. Then the CB debugger endpoint that I mentioned is that's where you can see every request that's coming in. You can set it to auto refresh so you can see the new requests coming in and okay. yeah, super awesome.
0: Yep. And, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to install and then you just configure the pieces that you want, you know? So if you're not using certain things, just turn them on or off. And like this here, we can basically go and you know add the different modules so it comes with a couple of them by default and you just add the other collectors as you want so um again choose the ones you want there and it's, it's just really neat i really like it and i see that it's, it's basically like having a mini fusion reactor in there and you know it's nice and there's, there's more, and more features i can't believe some of the things we're, we're adding into it it's going to be really nice to see what gets added next if there's something you think it would save your life debugging wise or just you know, like in your process, let us know. We can try and get that added too, because that's the key. is we always want to keep improving it. So uh.
1: yeah. Um. So one you probably uh didn't get to see yet, but uh, I don't know when this was added. There's this object methods, and this one really shines. Um. Just using metadata, you can add a profile metadata key to either a component or a method, and you're going to get timing information in your debug timer panels just for that so like you can think like what's taking so long in this execution you throw this profile on the component and now you're going you're going to get a breakdown of every method in there so if you got you know nice small method you're going to be able to see what is taking so long in each of these so just with a single profile annotation i i will be the first to admit that i do this usually by wrapping things in some you know, function I threw in the request scope or like doing timing and this is so much easier. So
0: Yeah, for sure. Like I said, you you're using so much of your own debugging tricks, but this does have a lot of stuff in there for you just to be able to pull from and save mm-hmm. you having to go and like dump out what's in the RC scope right now. What's in the PRC scope? You can see it all um right there. And it's nice to see, you know, the timings on different things and you know you can see over time too so you can keep that up so maybe there's one every once in a while that gets way bigger you can like why is that one taking so long well, the others didn't so yep great little module and of course you know it's a great in environments, development staging you probably don't want it on production because uh, it does do extra work depending what you have turned on so if you do have it on make sure you trim down what you have on using environments um, but yeah it's really really helpful tool the cool thing is if you needed to turn it on in production, you could just for a second, just to get some some data, you know, and then turn it back off and go from there. And now they do have that improved um, export, right? or well, it's a dump support, but then we have an export. Yeah, you can export the profiler and stuff in JSON. So. Mm-hmm. so I wonder what they're going to use that for. Maybe there's another feature coming soon that we'll be using that more extensively. Yeah. So very cool. Okay next up we have vs code hints tips and tricks of the week and this one here uh it's something which you might have heard about in the news lately um because <laughs> sigma has been in the news quite a lot lately because uh, adobe was buying them for what was the price that the the merger was going to be for is not it 64 uh, billion or something stupid or is it more than that I don't it was a know. lot but well, we'll find out 20 yeah, billion 20 billion
1: Half cash, half stock.
0: And the crazy thing is, is that eventually the monopoly uh, sort of lawsuit stopped it, right? there. Ended, was it...
1: it? They were they were facing regulatory scrutiny in both the United States and over in the EU, and uh, they backed out um, to the tune of one billion dollars paid to Figma for backing out. So, so
0: that's a pretty <laughs> good deal. Figma got one billion dollars <laughs> for not being bought out, and so everyone in the world is rejoicing because uh, everyone loved Figma and they're worried Adobe might kill it. And that's probably why it was <laughs> got shut down, that you couldn't buy your competition just to shut them down. But the cool thing is, is that uh, since Figma is still alive, we've got this Figma for VS Code tool. So it allows you to bring Figma straight into your text editor. And you can inspect designs, receive notifications, and get code suggestions. So the coolest thing about all of this is that um, if you actually scroll down, not only can you just put something else in VS Code, because you can put everything in there now, spreadsheets and databases and everything <laughs> else, but um, you know, apart from seeing and responding to comments and activity in real time, which is useful, I think the next one is where it really wins. It's you can get code suggestions based on designs. So you stay in the flow, stay more productive than ever, because you get auto completions on your code. So if you're actually in the design and you can pull across, let me zoom in here just so you can see a little better. I can, but it'll auto-complete based on the styles from Figma. So if you're working on a cat button, you click on it and then you come over and actually throw that in there. It'll auto-complete based on what you're doing. And you can say, just grab this or just grab that or grab all the CSS. So I think that's a pretty big win there. So if your CSS designs or you, sorry, your Figma designs are there. You can pull them in and then just pull. The styles right from that so the designed it does a good job it can auto translate it into vs code so you can use it uh you can download your assets to your repo with a single click which is pretty cool um and then yeah you select your layer on your designs and it'll appear uh, it's pretty neat um and then you can also link your code files to design components and so that way they can easily review as well so Kind of cool that you can jump right in there but i'm just thinking for those that design a workflow that you know the autocomplete and just the the information here is just you know gonna be really valuable instead of having to have it open up somewhere else or have somebody doing that process of converting everything from figma into style sheets for you you can do some of that yourself now so i thought that was I'm a very big
1: one very curious i know that there's um so I'm, I'm a big tailwind CSS, Stan, and I know there's ways to put your tailwind configuration inside Figma, mm. so that then Figma is using all those values. They go the same. I'm wondering if this whole out the values works with that too, because I'd, I'd be interested in that obviously. So yeah, if
0: it throws into the class of the element instead of into the style sheet. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, it is a beta, um, so you know it was released uh, middle of last year, and it has uh, had updates through December last year. So um, it's still something that's you know out there, and they're working on it. I'm not sure if they're going to have new updates coming soon or not. But if you use Figma. It sounds like a, a yeah. pretty cool tool to try out and try with your stuff. And,
1: and now sticking around for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. So that's a yeah, a big one. I think. It's curious, though, because I know that, like, um, Adobe killed XD um, or whatever, and a couple of other tools, and like everyone was thinking they were doing that because they were getting Figma. So I wonder what Adobe will do in that space or if there's something else they've got that fills the gap. But but anyway. Okay. So, yeah, so our VS Code um, tip trick of the week is Figma for VS Code. So try it out, and if you guys... Uh, have success, let us know what you think of it. Um, I'm kind of curious, don't have much Figma stuff myself. We have other design people do the front end most of the time. So not my job, (laughs) but let's get back to the final part of the show where we thank all our patron supporters because without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. So uh, thank you very much. And again, uh, without them, we wouldn't be able to do uh, all the great things we do for the community. Or well, we think it's great to give to the community by doing Command Box, <laughs> Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, Test Box, all these other tools, Forge Box with package management and everything else. So it does help us do a lot of great things. And these people are personally supporting us. So we really appreciate of that. So you want to roll through the top Patreons here?
1: I sure do. If I, let's and, see. So these are our staunch Patreons. Thank you to John Wilson with Subnaptrix, Tomorrow's Guides, Jordan Clark, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, David Bellinger, Dan Card, James Moberg, and Jeffrey McGee with Sunstar Media, Dean Maunder, Kevin Wright, Doug Kane, Nolan Urk, and Abdul Rahim. And also thank you to our many more Patreons on our site. You can see an up to date list on OrderSolutions.com. Slash about dash us slash sponsors.
0: Yep. So thanks everybody for joining us. I know it's been a while. So welcome back from your holidays and hopefully we'll be on a more regular schedule every two weeks. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks, guys. See ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizer.io you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like spotify or itunes we also have the link to youtube to find more videos just like this the music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from sound.com and bluetree audience